Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Have you ever sought comfort amongst friends or amongst family? And not really found true comfort? And have others tried to sometimes comfort you, but there's only really one place that you will find comfort? And I like to talk about true comfort. True comfort. Now, we live in a world of woe, don't we? We do. We live in a world full of trials and tribulations for the believer. And sometimes sometimes things are, can go smoothly. And sometimes things are harder. And I love the scripture that John read this morning on Ecclesiastes 3 because we see, we see that there's a time for certain things. And always remember that these times are in God's hands. They're in the hands of our great God. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 9. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. My people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished and that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The the voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever, forever. O Zion, that's the church, that bringeth Good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. We'll look at these nine verses. And oh, what a comfort these nine verses are to God's people. They are balm to the soul of a believer. Balm, precious to us. And I pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will make these words a comfort to our souls. It says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. In verse 1. The one who is speaking here, is the Lord of hosts. The one who is speaking here is Jehovah, the self-existent one. And he says, comfort ye, 
Comfort ye my people. Notice that. My people. My people. God's people are called the Lord's people. He says they're my people. They're mine. And he's speaking to prophets, preachers, pastors, teachers, all who are bondservants of the Lord. And what is his command to them? Comfort ye my people. Comfort ye my people. And oh, how we need to be comforted. We are a needy people, beloved. We are a needy people, aren't we? We need to be comforted in this world. So many want to rebuke and reprove or correct. And there's a time for all those things, beloved. But here, our precious God, He commands commands pastors, teachers, and preachers to comfort His people. Comfort my people. Wondrous words those are. My people. And remember, there's no, con- there's no comfort without conversion. Because without conversion, being born again by the Holy Spirit of God, we are outside of Christ. But oh, for, for, for the one who's being granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, who's being regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God, being converted... Oh, what comfort we find in these words. What comfort we find. When the Lord Jesus Christ saves his people, he comforts us, doesn't he? Because we see, I talked to a dear sister here. Uh, um, I won't say who it is, but she told me, she said, she said, Wayne, when the Lord saved me, she said, I was just trembling in fear about my sin and in the balm of Christ. Almost instantaneously. All my sins are forgiven. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And you know why the Lord saved her? Because she's one of his people. Just like the reason he saved each one of God's people, his elect. We can look at this scripture and go, my people. God calls us my people. A people of his choosing. A people purchased by the blood of Christ, God incarnate in the flesh. This, uh, this, I was talking to Drew about, about the Bible and everything and about, about salvation in Christ and we were agreeing that it just keeps getting more wondrous as we, as we grow. It, it, as we hear more and more preaching, it just becomes wondrous to us as we study and as we look. To, it's wonderful. And it never gets old. <laughs> It never gets old. So what comfort God's people can find in these scriptures. And God's people, again, are a chosen people. That's why they're called here by God, by Jehovah, my people. They're a chosen people. God himself chose us in Christ. It's wondrous, isn't it? It's wondrous. It's absolutely wonderful. The Lord Jesus Christ saves his people, a people of his choosing. Through the preaching of the word, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And we find great assurance through the preaching of the gospel, don't we? We find great comfort, don't we? I ask you, Before the Lord saved you, what was your comfort? You found comfort in something. It's either self or other people. But true comfort is found in Christ. Because friends will let you down. Family will even let you down. People will let you down. Like the grace preacher I heard, he said, don't look at me, I'll let you down all the time. Uh, that's, yeah. Look to Christ. Look to the one we proclaim. Look to the king. We're just ambassadors. We talk about the king as we looked at this morning. We talk about the king.
And there's no peace again with God without conversion, without being born again, without, without Christ. Many give people a false assurance because they've made a decision or they've walked an aisle or, or they prayed a prayer, but, but true conversion, beloved, is of God. And those who are truly converted are God's people. Those he calls my people. My people. How wondrous it is. And, and we, don't, we don't get proud when we think that way, do we? No. What does it do, beloved, to us when we read that? Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith the Lord. It puts us in the dirt, doesn't it? It humbles us. Just like we were talking about today, brother and sister. Just like we were talking about this morning. It just, it just puts us in the dirt before the Lord. In whom we have redemption through His blood. Through the work of Christ. The forgiveness of sins. According to the riches. His grace, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. God's people are a redeemed people. And they're redeemed by the precious blood of Christ because, you know why? Because they're God's people. They're the ones that, they're the ones that, that the Almighty says in this text, my people. They're the only ones for whom Christ died for. Oh, we don't know who they are. No. We don't have any other. Therefore, we preach the gospel to all. Right? It goes out. Whosoever will, let them come. Out it goes. We proclaim, trust Christ and rest in Christ. Yes. Absolutely. And God's people are believing people, aren't they? They believe on Christ. They believe on Him. Now, we, we may struggle with unbelief, just like Peter said, Lord, help my unbelief, right? Because let's be honest, we all do. <laughs> I, haven't met a, I haven't met a saint yet that doesn't struggle with unbelief. We all, have, we all have times of that. But you know, I was thinking about this this week again. It's not our grip on Christ, it's his grip on us. He's the one who keeps us, beloved. He's the one who keeps us. When our hearts are fainting, when we're going through a, 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 a time of grief or, or, or a trial or tribulation, He is the one who keeps us, beloved. He is the one who keeps us. He is the one. And what a hope we have. What a hope we have in Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. Acts says this. Neither is there salvation in any other. That means nobody else. There is no salvation in anybody else but Christ. But Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other hope. Any other hope that anybody has is a refuge of lies. That's, 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 that's clearly brought forth in Acts 4.12, which is that verse. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other hope. Now why do God's, why do God's people need to be comforted? Because we're saved sinners. Right? God has saved us from the penalty of our sin. Right? And the guilt of our sin. But we have not been... We still have the presence of our sin, don't we? But not when we get the glory. It's gone. It's gone, beloved. And what a what a thing for us to look forward to. 
to not only be in the presence of the Lord, which is in itself just we can't even fathom it, but to be to have no sin, to have perfect worship, perfect worship, to be presented to the Father by Christ, unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. All because of what Christ has done. Oh, what comfort this brings God's people. And we are saved sinners, but we need to be, we need to be comforted, don't we? We're conscious of our own sins still, aren't we? Even though we know we've been forgiven for our sins, we're still conscious of it, aren't we? We're still conscious of it. We've been saved again from the power and the presence of sin, but, but as we grow in grace and in the knowledge and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see our sin more and more. And we don't point fingers at others and go, look what they're doing. That's what religion does. Religion does. And they point fingers, well, look at that guy. How can he be a Christian and do that? Grace doesn't do that. Grace says, you've had mercy on me, Lord. And I see enough. I, I remember Donnie Bell saying this, and man, I was listening to this at home, and I just let out an amen. He said, there's enough pride in me to burn this whole building down. That's true. I agree with that in me. There's enough pride in me to, to light this place on fire. Right? Praise God, I'm a saved sinner. Saved sinner. And I know you are, too. Who believe? Saved by God's grace. So we need to be comforted because we are conscious of our own sin in our state. Before he saved us, you've heard me ask you this many times, before you were saved, did sin bother you at all? Only when I got caught. Right? Seriously. Only when I got caught. Well then, oh, I'm so sorry. But other than that, it never bothered me. Never bothered me. Drank it like water, like the scriptures say. Drank iniquity like water. But now, after the Lord saved us, I ask you this, you who are a born-again, blood-washed saint of God, do you mourn over your sin now? You do, don't you? We mourn over how sinful we are. We, 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 but we quickly remember we're forgiven for all our sins, don't we? But we do mourn over our own sin. But, oh, we flee to Christ. We flee to our only hope, the only one where we can find true comfort, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we're, we're tried. and Through this pilgrimage on earth, we're, we're tried, beloved. We have trouble with the flesh. We do. We carry around this body of death, like Paul said, didn't he? Remember Paul? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who could deliver me from this body of death? That's every that's that's all of us, beloved, who are saved. See, people sometimes accuse believers of being holier than now. No, they don't know the struggle we're going through, do they? No, they have no idea. It's a civil war within the believer, isn't it? My. Oh, we struggle with our flesh, and our flesh is our own worst enemy. But praise God, we're see later. It's been conquered. It's been conquered. It's been conquered. Look at verse 2. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her, and again, this is God's people, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So what shall the preacher or the teacher say that shall be a comfort to God's people? And, and what is the greatest comfort for the believer? What is the source of the believer's comfort? Well, it's Christ. He's the source of our comfort, beloved. And 
the gospel of Christ is good news for sinners. It's good news for sinners. It's like they say, since I heard the good news, I have heard no bad news. Right? When we dwell on what Christ has done for us, that's good news. Good news for this old sinner. I know it's good news for you all too who believe. It's good news. It's the, it's the most blessed news we ever heard. Most blessed news we ever heard. My. Salvation is only in and through Christ. And look at this verse. It says, it says your warfare is accomplished. Now the Hebrew word there for accomplished means to, to fill. To be full. To be full. To be accomplished. To be ended. When you come to an end, you can't go any further, can you? Right? When, when you're riding on a train and it comes to the end of where, where that, that track can't go no more, it's ended. No matter what you use, your, you can't use your mind to move it any further, it's finished. I used to ride the subways in Toronto. And they'd go to a certain point and they'd stop and you couldn't go an inch further. And what that train went. Unless you got out and walked. But as far as on that train, that was it. That route is ended. Well, the battle's over, beloved. The, the warfare is accomplished. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we have victory in. The warfare is accomplished. He finished it. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. And our Savior has accomplished this. All of our enemies have been conquered by our great King, beloved. Right? Our enemy called sin is being conquered by our King for us. Once we were bound up by sin, Proverbs says this, but the ways of man before the eyes of the Lord are, are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself and he shall be Holding with the cords of his, uh, of his sins. Our sins, beloved, were like, like tight cords around us. And we, we, we couldn't get free. We couldn't get free. We were like bound up. Couldn't move. We were slaves to our sin. But the Lord has set us free, beloved. Set us free. Christ has broken the bonds which once held us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Listen to this. This is how we know he's broken the bonds. And their sins and iniquities, while I remember, no more. No more. The law had a claim on us, didn't it? Oh, you've broken it. The justice of God said, the soul that sinneth it must die. And it had a just claim on us too, didn't it? The law had a just claim on us in the justice of God. The law of God had a just claim on us and the justice of God had a just claim on us. And Christ the sinless substitute dies in our place and that there's no more claim upon us. None. We are set free, beloved, in Christ. Set free in our sin has been conquered by our great king, beloved. We could never conquer our own sin, right? Never. We were bound up by it, as Proverbs says. But he has set us free. He's cut the cords, beloved. Oh, my. He has cut the cords. And then, another one of our, I, I think our greatest enemy is self. That's being conquered by the Lord too. 
Although we still struggle with it, don't we? The Lord Jesus Christ saved us. We, we used to live for self. But, and even now we struggle with our own flesh after we've been saved. And again, I, I think personally it's my, it's my greatest enemy. It's my greatest enemy. But we live our lives. Turn, if you would, to Galatians 2.20. Do you know we live our lives in service to our great king? That's who we live our lives in service to. Look at this, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Look at this. Remember, we were in Adam when we fell. Well, we were in Christ when he died on Calvary's cross for us, beloved. Look at this. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, right? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at that. Crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, how do we live now? We saw that this morning. How do the just live? By faith, beloved. By faith. By God-given faith. By God-given faith. Faith of the Son of God who loved me. How long has he loved us from? From eternity. And look at the next verse. Or next, look at the next thing. And gave himself for me. He freely gave himself for us. He willingly did that because of his great love for us, beloved. And when it says he gave himself for, he died for us. He died, the sinless substitute died in our place so that the law could say, I have no claim on Neil. I have no claim to the law of God. And the justice of God says, I have no claim on you because Christ fulfilled it all. And we, it leaves us in awe, doesn't it? I know I say that a lot, but it really does. When we contemplate that, it takes us far off, doesn't it? Because it's so wondrous. It's absolutely wondrous. You know that our enemy Satan, he's been conquered too. Now, we're no match for him, but oh my. Our great king conquered him, beloved. Our great king conquered him. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 14, and I'll read Ephesians chapter 2, which, which proclaims this, wherein in times past ye, being, being the, the people that Paul's writing to, the, the church at Ephesus, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We were enslaved, beloved, and we did not even know it. We had no clue that we were enslaved. We had no clue that we were bound up by sin. We thought, hey, I'm living the life. Hey, I could do whatever I want. No, you're bound to your nature, and you've got a dead nature, and all it's going to do, you're going to sin all the time. But the believer in Christ, we have a new nature. It governs us, doesn't it? It governs our will. It governs our will. We still sin, but, but now we mourn over sin because the Holy Spirit within us convicts us of our sin. Look at this, though, in John. Look at this said about our great substitute. Look at this. John chapter 14. Look at verse, verse 30. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and that's Satan, and look at this, and hath nothing in me. He could come to us. There's lots in us he could find. Eh? But that's our Savior. That's the one who died in our place. The prince of the world came to him and had find no fault, nothing. Nothing in him. Because he's perfect. He's sinless. He's God incarnate in the flesh, beloved. And he's sent here to die in the place of his people. My people sent. And how that comforts us, we're God's people, doesn't it? 
Oh, it's very comforting for us. And the prince of the world, John 16, 11 says, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Oh, he knows his end. Oh, he's on a leash, beloved. Christ conquered him. Crushed him. Crushed him at Calvary's cross. And our enemy, the world, has been conquered by our great king, beloved. He's conquered the world. These things I have spoken unto you, that you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation. We're going to have tribulation while we're here in this world. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16.33 And then our other enemy, death, he's been conquered too, hasn't he? Death's been conquered. The Lord Jesus Christ has conquered the enemy of death for us. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. That's what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Born dead spiritually, made alive in Christ. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And here's the question that he asked them, and I'll ask you. Believest thou this? Believest thou this? Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? John chapter 11, verse 26. Believest thou this? Another way that God's people are comforted, as we see in this verse, is that their iniquity is pardoned. Their iniquity is pardoned. All of our sins, past, present, and future, Blot it out, beloved. Blot it out. God remembers them no more. You know why? Because they've been atoned for. They've been atoned for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will never be bought against us. Ever. Hallelujah for that. eh? That's wondrous. With his spotless garments on, the righteousness of Christ, God's people can approach God now. Approach a holy and a righteous God. Not on our own merit, but on the merit and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that the believer is clothed in the perfect, spotless righteousness of God. And more comfort for God's people are found in in this verse where we read, she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This denotes the sufficiency of the blood of, of Christ and the complete satisfaction made by Christ for the sins of all his people. Not that more was required than was due, but his offering being infinitely and fully, it answers more than double what can be demanded, beloved. More than double than what can be demanded. You know, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. eh? Look at verses 3 to 5 here. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. John the Baptist is the voice crying in the wilderness of Judea. And there's a threefold effect of his office. The the humiliation of some the exaltation of others, and the revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ. Prepare ye the way. Prepare ye the way. The Messiah. He comes, and John called upon all men to repent, to lay aside all thoughts and ways contrary to Christ's gospel and kingdom, and to embrace him when he comes. Every valley shall be exalted when Messiah comes, All who are 
depressed and bowed down with the guilt of sin, laboring and heavy laden, low and humble in their own eyes, shall be raised up and comforted. Because all our sins are forgiven. This again speaks of God's people. The crooked shall be made, or every mountain and hill shall be made low. The proud and haughty shall be bought down, beloved. Bought down. And those who are elated with themselves and their own righteousness shall be humbled. It will lead to their doom. And then it says, the crooked shall be made straight, the rough places plain. Oh my. We were crooked, weren't we? <laughs> We've been made straight. And has not the, the rough places been made plain? The way. There's only one way. The Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that, do you know that on the way to the cities of refuge, that the priests would go out? And, and there were signs always telling people where the cities of refuge were, but the priests would go and they would pick up stones and clear the way and make it real plain and real easy for people to run to that city. Oh, yeah. There's only one way, isn't there? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only through Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. No salvation outside of Christ. He is the way. And that way is made plain, isn't it? It's made plain through the preaching of the gospel. In Luke, it says this, In beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded of them in the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is what Christ did to the two on the road to Aramaeus. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1. Christ himself is the brightness of the Father's glory and, and he reveals his redemptive glory which is God's chief glory. Look at this in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Remember in the Old Testament all the types pointed to Christ. Types and shadows, they all pointed to Christ, beloved. They all pointed to him. God, who at sundry times, verse 1, Hebrews 1, 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake and passed unto the fathers by the prophets, by the scriptures, hath in these last days spoken unto us by who? By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. He is sovereign. By whom also, look at this, he made the worlds. He made it all. He created it all. By the word of his power. Who being the brightness of, the, of his glory in the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Look at that. Think of that. Upholding all things by the word of his power. You've heard me often say, there's no maverick molecule, is there? Not one in this universe. Not one. He upholds all things by the word of his power, beloved. Everything, visible and invisible, is under his dominion. And then look, at, look, look what... The very one who holds all things by the word of his power came down to this world. And what did he do for his people? He purged our sins. Hallelujah. He took them all away. He paid for them all. For all of them. Purged them. They're gone. As far as the east is from the west, I'll remember them no more against my people. What did he do after he purged our sins, which is miraculous? He sat down. The work's finished. He sat down in the majesty. He sat down. It's finished. Sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. It's finished. Remember what, remember what our God said to Moses. Moses besieged him to see thy glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. 
and will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. My. And that, he's the God who came down to the sins, the one true God and purged the sins of his people and is now sat down on the majesty on high. Oh my. The everlasting gospel is called the gospel of his glory. His glory. For you see your calling, brethren. How not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world. To bring to naught things that are, or to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is of God made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And because of these wondrous truths, knowing that our iniquities are all forgiven, what comfort it brings God's people, and we give him all the glory, don't we? We give him all the glory. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 to 9. We'll read those. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodness, good, goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. My Here's a command, cry, and a question. What shall I cry? What shall I preach? What is the message that men need to hear? All flesh is grass. All flesh is grass. And all its glory and calmliness, that's beauty, is as the flower of the field. All flesh, young and old, Jew and Gentile, religious and profane, is as worthless as withering grass. We're born spiritually dead and worthless. Nothing we can do in our life improves that condition, beloved. And the death of a flesh only confirms its corrupt condition, doesn't it? In the flesh dwelleth no good thing. In all flesh, and in the flesh no man can please God. There's nothing we can do by our thoughts or by our actions that will please God for our sins. There's nothing that we can do that will gain us merit with God and favor with God. In the flesh dwelleth no good things, and in the flesh no man can please God. This must be preached in order to humble the pride of man. To humble the pride of man and to show the necessity of divine power and regeneration. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Not only is all flesh grass, but even man's so-called righteousness, that which is calmly and commendable compared to others, is brought forth here, is as worthless as a fading flower. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Isaiah 64, 6. 
Look at what our Lord says from the lips of our Master here. In John chapter 3, verses 5 to 7, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The water of the Word. And the Holy Spirit of God, beloved. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, though, is Spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. You must be born again. And we know that man at his best state is altogether vanity. And we find this out, don't we, when the Spirit of God blows upon us and makes us to know the truth about ourselves. In the light of God's holiness, we, when, when God is drawing us to Christ, we see the holiness of God and we see our sinfulness, don't we? And we see that all flesh is as grass. It's all as grass. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 6. Look at this. Look at, look at Isaiah's response when he's in the presence of our great God. This is, wow, this is, this is incredible. Look at this. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, verse 5. And then now he sees the whole depravity of mankind because he says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King. The King. Behold your God. The Lord of hosts. Job said this. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. That's the eye of faith, beloved. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So when God is bringing the sinner to Christ, we abhor ourselves, don't we? And look at this. The word of God shall stand forever. Look at verse 8 of Isaiah 40. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand Forever. Empires have risen, beloved. People have come against our great king. People have said, I'm going to take him off the earth. There, no one will be left. That no, they're taken off the earth, aren't they? The great Roman Empire, rise, is gone. The great Empire of the Medes and Persians, rose up, is gone. The great, great empire of Babylon, where Nebuchadnezzar was the king, it's gone. But the word of God's still here, isn't it? It's still here, beloved. And all who have come against it have perished. Have perished. Man may pop off and say this and that. I don't believe that. Well, don't change that. It's true. Behold your God. He's on the throne. He's on the throne. The word of God shall stand forever. This may be applied to the the word of God, which is sure and certain, forever settled in heaven and always fulfilled. Or Christ too, who is the word. Christ who is the Word, who stands forever in His office. In His office is His prophet, priest, and king. Colossians says this, for by Him were all things created, same as what was said in Hebrews, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. For Him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things. 
even the very people who curse his name, they consist and breathe his air because he allows them to. It's true. By him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, which is the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And he must have the preeminence, beloved. He must. In the preaching of his gospel and in our lives too. He has the preeminence, doesn't he? Oh, our great God. Amen. Behold your God. Look at verse 9. O Zion that bringest good tidings, get thee up into a high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift, up thy, lift it up and be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold your God. Get up on a high mountain. Lift up your voice. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And say unto the people, Behold your God. Behold your God. John Gill said it best. Behold your God, that divine person who has come, that was promised, prophesied, and expected, even Emmanuel. God with us. God in our nature. God manifest in the flesh. God, your Savior, and who being God, truly God, is able to save to the uttermost. The uttermost. We know all who come to Him. He's able to save them to the uttermost. Look to Him, beloved, and be saved. Look to Him and be saved. We, we as believers keep looking to Him, don't we? But, oh, sinner friend, look to Christ. He's the only one who can save you. May God give you grace to look to Him. And behold... He who is your God. This is the God of the Bible. He is in full control. He is sovereign. And what mercy he has on animated pieces of dust like us. That's where we are. And he has mercy. Behold him. He's king. He's king over everyone whether they believe it or not. He's king. He's king. It's because someone don't believe it. He's not abdicated his throne, no. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's on the throne. And he's, be, he's, he's been declared Lord of lords and king of kings. He's crowned with glory and honor, beloved. He's crowned with glory and honor. And he has all power in heaven and earth. All power. So let the echo of our faith be my Lord and my God. My Lord and my... That's what He is to us, isn't He? He's our Lord. He's our Savior, our Redeemer. And He is our God. Glory to His name.